student-run, student-focused podcast here to feed your curiosity. I'm Melissa. I'm Nisha. And we are very excited to have award-winning architect Jinhee Park joining us here today. Jinhee Park is a founding principal at the award-winning New York City and Seoul-based architecture firm, Single Speed Design, a practice which approaches design as convergent, interdisciplinary, and sustainable. She received a master's in architecture from Harvard Graduate School of Design and a BFA in industrial design from Seoul National University. Her work at SSD has been celebrated through numerous awards, including a 2015 Best in Competition Award from AIANY. Welcome to the show, Jinhee. Um, just to start things off, we are incredibly interested in hearing how you discovered your passion for architecture. Was there a moment in your childhood or in your life where you realized that that was how you wanted to spend mm. the rest of your life? Maybe could you walk us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, well, um, it's a going way back. Um, like um, the as a you know, I have a I'm Korean and the Korean parents, of course, they're enthusiastic about the education. So um, they uh, want us to go uh, to this uh, private school, um, just art private school. Um, but then uh, art part is the last matter to them. But then uh, this private school is the you know this high the you know, better education mm -hmm. they want us to get. So I um, I started with the piano, um, but then I didn't like the piano too much, and the, so I sort of uh, gave up. Uh, and my mom said, you know, if the, this is your choice uh, and you can give up things, but then you can also think about the you know, next one. Mm -hmm. So I choose art. Mm -hmm. So I, my art background actually started earlier from the junior school to high school. And then I, um, do, I, did a, I went to uh, industrial design major uh, for college. But then doing, going through all that, I always wanted to do something that about the environment, environment and human. And uh, so in order to do that, I need, a, uh, I need to do something bigger. Um, so the architecture uh, I pursue after I uh, finished my uh, major in industrial design and I worked as an industrial designer for a while. And uh, so I went to architecture school. Um, so that's it. <laughs> so you talked about wanting to do something bigger, but mm -hmm. I think one of the really cool things about a lot of your projects is mm -hmm. they're so small. Mm -hmm. um, could you talk a little bit about you know why you build them on such a small scale and you know how that how you translate that to these larger scale projects right. later on? Right, right. So you know when you um, do the, the pursuit of your career and when you you know change your major. Um, at Actually, I never thought that I changed my major. It's a, it's the same design thing. The only subject is the you know the bigger uh, scale um, mm -hmm. architecture. But then uh, when I um, the the study through the architecture and I uh, practice more, more and more I realize uh, that you know there's a lot of things that the the architecture actually can solve without not necessarily the architectural element. So the or the the constructive way. So I was looking at you know what is the um, basic elements that actually the consist architecture, and uh, and I focus on that more and more, and uh, I found a lot more uh, potentials. If you look at this uh, uh, basic elements, like micro elements, if you um, if you 
you know, the dissect this element and strip it down to the, um, the into very very pure, pure element. Mm -hmm. and then, you know, we can we can start from there and then you know build up uh, instead of you know build from the master plan to build down to the, the, the smaller scale. So I found that there's a lot more uh, potential. I think that is also based of uh, my background of uh, industrial design. Could you give us an example of that? Or maybe walk us through kind of a project from its conception to mm -hmm. its finality using those elements that you're mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. So like for instance, uh, the, if you, we look at the um, even like city design, like if you look at this uh, um, the smaller scale that actually built with the, the human scale, even the very very uh, minimum as a like um, the the stair height of the stairs uh, or the element of door, um, and the all these different elements actually um, it's the, the that affects the people, and the um, the what we are focused on mostly is that how you perceive the space. It's not about the scale of the space or size of the space, but how, what is the scale that you actually perceive. So there's actuality of the, uh, the built environment, but then the perception of the built environment. So what we have to deal with is this perception, not the actuality, because actuality we want to actually reduce the size as much as we can uh, for um, sustainability reason. And also, we want to, you know, the maximize the impact and efficiency of this built environment. So when we get, when we transfer that to, you know, focus on more uh, perceptual uh, space, then there's you know, a lot more that we can do, right? So the I mean, the basic principle is that you know how we can achieve the maximum effect mm -hmm. with the minimum means materials, energies, or even you know, space, uh, and things like that. So could you talk a little bit about how that relates to microhousing? We were really interested in your, uh, your Songpa project, mm -hmm. and like the idea of these, y you had some terms in there like tapioca spaces and right. um, the concept of cuteness. So right, could you right, tell right. our listeners what those terms mean and right. how it ties in? Right, right, yeah. Um, so super micro housing is the one that we really push into the very um, micro scale, literally. Mm -hmm. So it's 120 square feet uh, housing. Uh, so unit is very, very small, but this efficiently layout. Uh, but then the, we are, because the all, most of the housing project is that it's, the main focus is how many units that you can actually push in into this certain limited um, uh, envelope, zoning envelope. But the, we, we are focusing on, you know, th that principle is the same because uh, that is the main principle um, to develop the, you know, the um, housing units. But we are focusing on the, um, then how do we break through this very, very, you know, the perception of this small space. So even though the, your space is small, how can you break uh, the, or the expand the, your boundary of your activity beyond this uh, um, envelope, right? So that the envelope they own uh, can be small, uh, but then their space can go beyond the boundary to the balconies or bridges or the in-between space or up to 
up to the wall, the next door, next building, or next to uh, next unit. So there's a, a lot of void space um, between them, so that the, they can have a lot of natural lights and uh, even view. Um, there's very restricted view to the um, not to the, uh, the not horizontally because uh, there's a very tightly um, located um, the fabric. So. The, there's view you can actually get, you know, to the sky, um, and the, so those kind of view, natural light, natural ventilation, actually key to bring in this uh, the idea of uh, you know bigger feeling, a prison feeling space, and then that is the you know the tapioca idea is that you know your core is like a tapioca gel, <laughs> and your core is very very small. Uh, but you know, hard, they're secure, private, but then it's surrounded by this gel mm -hmm. so that your uh, activity can, your boundary can go beyond the, the, your, uh, this core cell. So your core cell is important, it stays uh, there, but then you can expand your boundary you know, through the negotiation of the neighborhood. Um, so, uh, and then that you mentioned about this is interesting, the, the cuteness. Yeah. Uh, Cuteness is also is a um, things that we like to bring in. Uh, it's not as a uh, um, something that you, you know. Th there's a, this idea of a, you know attachment, right? That if people um, have a, you know the attachment to the space, if people you know sort of like the space, then they care, right? So maintenance is a, is not forced, but we can bring out the you know this uh, voluntary um, participation of this you know for this maintenance. So which this is really important factor to create this uh, um, sustainable community um, in the in the especially residential uh, residential building. When you're building things like micro housing, mm -hmm. do you think that? Uh, you're shaping your building to fit the communities that you're serving, or do you think the communities shift their behavior to fit into the space that you've created? Mm. Well, we we cannot actually force people to <laughs> you know the way they live, <laughs> right? So we have to study a lot. That's why uh, we when we design something, actually we study a lot the you know their background, uh, not the even the you know the what's happening around there. So in the, um, the the lecture that I showed, that you know, there's a, the surrounding mm -hmm. uh, condition. So surrounding condition looks very very messy. Um, you can see there's you know the old fabric. There's a, you know a lot of different things they um, attached after you know, after they move in. They need a this and that, and so they you know start to uh, attach a lot of things in different way. It's very uh, looks uh, cluttered and very uh, chaotic. So. But we, what we focus on is not the appearance, but the why they put that there. Mm -hmm. um, and we saw that as a you know, program, you know, those are the their needs we have to fulfill. So we actually designed that as a part of the whole system right. so that uh, we can provide all that, you know, all this their needs, even if they, you know, they, they may not realize, they, they're gonna realize later on. <laughs> so, <laughs> We uh, actually tackle that earlier so that we basically pre-solve their uh, problem and they give them also options so it's not the only way they can live, 
but uh, there is it, this is uh, you know, uh, the you know, various options they can actually have later on. <laughs> Momentary interruption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so lies, right? one question we have, and maybe this is obvious, but we're, you know, we were very curious. Um, how do you know when a project is finished? Finished. Yeah, like is it is it really just like you know when you put the final touches on a house or is it something else? Is it when you know the idea finally comes together? Mm -hmm. When is that like kind of end point or that point where you feel like it's really you know at its max? Mm. Well, that is very very difficult question because <laughs> um, you I mean the project never finished. Um, once you start project and then you build. You know, even after you build, the you know the, the people move in, they they and they leave, and uh, and that is part of actually the architect um, job and what makes the you know being an architect uh, very interesting is that people um, use the um, the you know the basically the our design like sometimes they I mean they they the mostly they. Uh, like um, because before I mean before we completely or always you know talk about the design, um, but then there's an unexpected thing can happen uh, and they sort of reinvent the use and the, and that is actually a nice surprise. It actually we uh, we found that many many times that uh, they uh, they found that there's a different use and uh, another use and. Mm -hmm. So the, if they more the more they use it, it's better. Um, so even if after completion, like we visit the, our project, then you know, ten years later even like and then and then we find the, this very very uh, nice thing they do. I mean they they also add a, a their own design, right? Um, and that is also good too. Um, so I think the short answer is never. <laughs> 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 As the last question of our show, mm -hmm. we kind of along a similar thread like to ask our guests to kind of explain to us how they define success or maybe give advice to college students about defining success for themselves. Uh -huh. um, and we're kind of wondering if you could help us out with that. Oh, okay. Um, success. <laughs> that is such a nebulous question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, success. Yeah. Um, well, I think that is a the you, um, is I know it's hard because I'm also I mean myself is going through that, but you there's a always a next step that you um, sort of have to take, right? Um, and even if you go to you know reach a certain goal, there's always the next goal that you have to reach. Otherwise, you feel like you're a failure. So. Is a, but then the, the you, it's a, it's hard. But you have to remember that there's always the other step that you can take, even if you know you you fail to reach the 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 step that you were gonna do. Mm -hmm. um, so, the I think the um, success is a very very short. I think the success is a, the the frequent but mm -hmm. short step, and the you and then success. And then you cannot have a you know just a constantly success you know for the, your lifetime. So there's a alternate success failure, success failure, success failure. So um, you know through that, but then 
you know, that is that you have to sort of uh, realize and keep, you have to keep on reminding yourself that, you know, there is a next step always that I have to take uh, or I can take. And then, you know, this, uh, the most important thing is that, you know, the you have to keep yourself, you know, that so you, um, that you can, you know, keep on going because that is the most important thing. That is the actually key of success. When, you know, I, when I was young, I or, uh, also looked for, you know, that word of wisdom, you know, um, <laughs> what, uh, so, and then the, most of them, uh, like uh, who were uh, considered as successful, they're saying it's just keep on going, you know, and keep on going. Actually, the, when I heard that, I thought that was a, that's it, <laughs> and uh, and uh, the you must have a the different tactic or different secret. But the, actually, that is a really hard to do. Keep on going is really really hard to do. And uh, unless you are conscious and unless that you are, um, uh, you know how to treat yourself or how to manage yourself, right? So as you uh, grow up. You know, you have to be independent. Uh, being independent actually is hard, and being independent means that it's not like always pushing yourself. It's also you have to push yourself, but also you have to pamper yourself <laughs> at the same time. So there is a you know two role that you have to play for you. It's very very hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the, just the, I would say the same thing. You know, you just have to you know. Keep on, keep on going. You know, keep on doing what you want to do. You know, don't lose or don't give up, uh, which is very, very, you know, hard. Obviously, yeah. the project is never finished. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so That's much it. for um, coming on our show. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, and it's great. As our final words to all our <laughs> listeners out there, remember to stay hungry <laughs> and pamper yourself. Yeah.